Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to the Never Heard of It podcast. A Night Shift Radio original. Every week we bring you the good, the bad, the weird, and lesser known streaming movies. Hit subscribe for new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. I'm a little sick. Yeah. I've been sick all week. Hey. Uh, it's on its way down, but it's uh, on the way down. Oh, hey. uh, but it's still it's still not great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I'm yeah. getting there. I worry. Well... At least now our listeners know if you just like collapse in a coughing fit, then that's why. Um, but, <laughs> thank God for a mute button. Yes. That's all I have to say. But, but uh, you know, please. Yeah. Thank God for a mute button because we sure as fuck aren't editing it. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I wouldn't. I wouldn't bother. Five years of the show. We're not about to start editing now. Uh, Nobody's got time for that. Nobody. Uh, so I'm noticing something. You've got this like. I don't know if it if it's translating properly over over the camera feed because a lot of like a lot of times it doesn't. But you've got this like rich, like almost like ominous red glow in your room. I do, and uh, I've been thinking about this lately uh, about trying to match my lights to the the mood of the movie. Oh, and I did this one because the movie that we're uh, reviewing this coming uh, Sunday is a movie called archive. Yes. That's and true. in this, in the movie happens a couple of times as an alarm goes off and all the lights in the facility turned red. Well, and you. I was like, Oh, that's cool. So I'm going to turn my lights red to be kind of like how they did in the movie. So for those of you watching on YouTube, my lights are red uh, because of that. Actually, I could make mine red now, I realize, because I have these these new lights in my office that actually do uh, color changing and not just uh, different shades of white. Uh, so let's see. Oh. Oh, that is really cool, especially with the Somnium Pyramid in the background. Yeah, yeah. So I got that uh, that all set up so our, our viewers can now see for the, the first time ever, I believe. Uh, a, a real live somnium pyramid uh my one of my my most cherished possessions uh actually yeah. Yeah, this does look really good on because i've got the like the white glow coming from the the browser windows on my my desktop uh yep. the red overhead and the blue and oh like this is this is neat um yeah. actually i took the the lights from here the the ones that were just like six different tones of white. I put them in the lamps that we have in our living room. Uh, it took me a little while. Like, this is what happens when you let engineers uh, design things uh, without any oversight. Sorry to any of you there that are, that are engineers, but like, you know how your brain works. Like, 
you know, I'm, I'm not asking you to apologize and you don't need forgiveness, but like in order to factory reset my light bulbs, I had to stand and like watch a timer and like just turn the switch off and on like 17 times uh, in like this exact right timing until it started flickering me. Uh, only then could I get them to recognize in the app and set back up. The first time I set them up was, was seamless, but like as soon as I took them out of that uh, socket the first time, like game over, they were never going to get set back up again. But anyway, I got it set up. And for the, the first time since I've had smart lights of any kind, uh, I was able to do it in such a way that even Ellen was totally on board with just using voice activation to turn them on and off, uh, because that's you know we the the last thing we do before going to bed at night. You know, we turn the TV off, then we have to walk over and turn off the lamps, and then go to bed. And I was like, "But look at this, Ellen! You can just use the the assistant and say turn off the living room lights." And she's like, "Ooh, no more chores at night." <laughs> So, uh, that, so I have mine set at a timer uh, for 2 a.m. So they'll automatically shut off at 2 a.m. Um, just because sometimes I'll leave my living room lights on and I'll forget yeah. or I'll fall asleep in the like on the couch or something. I don't do this much anymore, but I used to fall asleep on the couch like watching a movie or something. And then I wake up and I'd be like, ah, shit, the lights are so bright. But now it's they're just dark because yeah. the lights turn off on their own. Yeah. This morning uh, she got up before me. So when I came out, the lights were on. I was like, did you did you turn them on with your voice? She's like, yes. So I'm very, very proud that like I finally am starting to like to sneak little little elements like that. I mean, we've had the the speakers around and it took a little while to get used to those, but like you know, she uses them now and loves them. We have the the smart thermostat. I love that. Uh, and now I'm introducing the lights and soon like one of these days I'm gonna have a full on fucking Jarvis house. Uh, yes. But uh so as you mentioned, we we are going to be talking about a movie called Archive coming up this week, which is a really really interesting uh, sci fi film that we found on TV TV. Uh, as as you may may remember, all of the movies we picked uh, this month, I keep like getting my hair in my mouth. I'm like, ah! Uh, all <laughs> the movies we picked this month uh, were at the time of recording on TVTV.com for free. Um, but uh, you know, it's been on a little bit of a, a sci-fi kick recently, and as uh, we talked about not long ago, I've been watching uh, Solos on Amazon Prime. Uh, now, mind you, you you've watched uh, most, if not all, of it at this point. I think I've watched uh, the first four episodes. Okay, so yep. have we. Uh, but we've been doing it rather than trying to do like all at once. We've been doing one episode at a time. Uh, they're a little they're, heavy they're very, to binge. Very heavy, but just like. <laughs> An absolute brilliant concept. The, the further into this we go, and like realizing that the the whole idea of like solos is because it's a single actor, uh, really just getting to like monologue. And this last one, let me find the the actor's name. Um, uh, Helen Mirren, well, wasn't it? Helen Mirren was in Peg. Which oh right, oh that's that's episode four. Abs yep. absolutely brilliant. Uh, Uzo Aduba. I hope I said, oh. that, said that correctly. She played her part like it was full on fucking Shakespeare and with like the level of intensity that you would like, you would typically only see reserved for the most like dramatic, like intense, like Shakespearean tragedy. And I just, I loved every second of it. Um, but I have to say, if you I don't know if you remember the Sasha episode, the the stay home uh, concept, and like people, we're going to spoil this a little bit, but like uh, you know, the, it's still worth. It came watching. out over a year and, ago. Yeah, it came out over a year like. ago. Like, <laughs> you had your chance. Um, 
Do you remember the ending of Slasher's episode? Um, wh- what was the plot of that one? Because I remember she was in the 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 stay home unit. The like she she had like went in the, like it was very obviously supposed to be like a metaphor for the the pandemic. She went in because of the virus, and she never left. And it's been twenty years. And the house is like, you need to step outside. You need to choose to leave. And she's like, uh, maybe I didn't watch that one. Oh, okay. Then, then we uh, we shouldn't go any further about this because, uh, first of all, uh, you need to watch it to see like her performance is just absolutely like Oscar worthy, uh, just incredible intensity from a single actor through an entire episode. Um, a complete opposite mood of Peg, who is this like charming, like soft, like quirky storyteller. Uh, Sasha is just like raw intensity through the whole thing. Um, but the ending is really kind of fucking with me in a way that's making me angry. And I need to talk it through to see if if my interpretation is correct, because they don't give us enough to know for sure what happens. And it's the kind of vague where like, all right, you're clever, but like, fuck you, tell me what happened. And so I need to know, uh, you know, I was talking to, to Ellen about this earlier and she didn't read it quite the same way that I did. But when I explained how, like how I interpreted it, she's like, Oh, Oh, you know, like it, it gets like, I didn't an think extra that, layer yeah. of dark. And so I want to know when you watch it, what your impression is. Uh, but all yeah, going is- back through, I, for some reason I, I, did I skip that one maybe accidentally because I remember the Annie Hathaway is first. Yep. Then I remember watching Anthony Mackie yep, and then the I remember one. watching Peg. That's the third one. Uh, because, so I guess I, I only watched the first three episodes then. Yeah. And I feel like I remember you saying that you stopped <laughs> at, at Peg, but, um, yeah. So Leah, Tom or Leia, Tom, Peg. Uh, we learned that there's a connection between the Tom and Peg episodes, which I thought was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and then Sasha. Now there's there's three more that I haven't watched: Jenny, Nira, and Stuart. Uh, but I'm just, I am loving this show so much. And in our episode about archive, I talk about how long it's been since I've seen a sci-fi film that really, really like gets under my skin and makes me love it. Uh, but like. There is something in the last half decade, decade or so uh, with sci-fi television where just some absolutely fucking brilliant storytelling and concepts has been uh, coming out. And I just, I'm here for it. I love it. And I just hope that it keeps coming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you know, in, in talking about this, it made me realize that like the made for TV movie format is dead. Mm. Like there's no such thing as made for TV anymore. Because now it's just like straight to stream. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, where it used to be straight to VHS. Yeah. Now it's straight to streamer, but it's not like a, that's not like a bad thing. Because yeah. normally, like, if you were like, oh, it's a straight to uh, VHS movie, movie, you're like, oh, it's going to be a bad movie. Yeah. Yeah. But now if I'm like, oh, yeah, it, it was straight to Netflix, you'd be like, oh, that's fucking dope. You know, like, it's not a bad, it's not a bad thing anymore. It's, I think that's really interesting. That whole concept is is gone now. Like, it doesn't mean anything. For most of our lives, if a movie skipped theatrical release, it's because they knew it wasn't going to do well, but they made it yeah. anyway. And it usually was like the 17th installment of a, a Disney franchise that was dead, you know, 
10 yeah, years Aladdin ago. Return to Jafar. Uh, like, yeah, the, like, like that's what it is. You yeah. know, the all of the like super low budget weird films that we're, we're never going to get anywhere. Uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that we would have watched and reviewed for this podcast are things that would have gone straight to, to video or straight to TV. Uh, in fact, we have watched a lot of uh, straight to TV movies for this. I, I remember seeing uh, our second episode, Satan's School for Girls, was a, a made for TV movie, which is wild because that was a shockingly good one. And like that was yeah. one of the few exceptions. But I mean, that was also fairly early in the era of made for TV movies because it was what, like 60, 70, something like that. Uh, uh, so I think it was, yeah, it was like 70 or 80s. So yeah. There, there can't have been too many that had, that had hit that concept prior to that, you know, because the medium itself was still generally speaking new uh but now in like this era we're like basically ever since netflix started introducing netflix originals and other streaming services we're like we can do that too now you have this concept of whether it's a like sourced as a quote-unquote original by the the streaming service or just happens to like uh, they have like a very limited theatrical run before going to streamers or just skipping the theatrical runs, whatnot. You know, Archive was one that was a victim of the, the pandemic very much. So seemingly would have had a like a super limited theatrical run and then straight to streamers. Like we're still getting this incredibly like talented writing and like really like high budget visuals and like really good storytelling in a, a straight-to-TV format, it took a little while to get used to that idea. And I think that that might be why the concept of originals didn't catch on right away. Because I don't people, I don't think people thought that, like, unless you know, if it was a TV show, okay, well, it's meant to be on TV, sure. If it's a movie, well, like, I, you know, I, I could have gone to see it in theater, or I could rent it, or like, oh, look, it's on, it's on Hulu now, I'll go watch it there. I don't think people thought about the idea of content being made specifically for these streaming platforms as like having the chance to be any good. And I love how much the industry has like subverted that whole impression. Yeah. You know, uh, so speaking of both sci-fi and Netflix originals, uh, a, a new Netflix original film just dropped and it's, uh, the name of the movie is Jung E. Ah. Um, and, uh, so I mentioned this in the upcoming episode and the reason is, is because there is a shockingly similar plot, uh, in this movie. So the IMDb description for Jung E is on an uninhabitable 22nd century Earth, the outcome of civil war uh, hinges on cloning the brain of an elite soldier to create a robot mercenary. Interesting. So it is really cool, but what it is is it's the daughter of the mercenary is the scientist that clones her brain, and they keep running her through a simulation to try to, like basically create the best, you know, mercenary AI, the best, you know, soldier robot AI, but they keep using this woman's brain over and over again. And, you know, she keeps failing in the same exact spot every time. So they're trying to figure out why she keeps failing the simulation in the same spot. Mm -hmm. But you get the struggle of this woman who is basically putting her mom through, through like, you know, uh, the, the rat race, you know, the, the guinea pig trials. Um, but what we learn is, is that when you die, you have three levels of, of, uh, living on. So there's like the type, like, uh, level a, which is, um, you, you basically get a fully humanoid robot that you could just live on forever. And you're just, you're just a robot now. And that's what happens. Mm -hmm. There's type B, 
where you get a sort of functional robot, probably more akin to like the one we will see coming up in uh, Archive mm-hmm. uh, uh, J2, you know, which is a very robot-looking body, Boston, you know, Boston Dynamics robot body and limited functionality, and you're still kind of like a service robot, basically. Yeah. So you don't have entirely uh, entirely free will, but you, you're kind of sort of free will. And then there's Type C which is your brain goes wherever the hell the company would wants it to go. So you could be duplicated in sex robots, in service robots. Like it, you are free property. Like you, they own your IP basically. Like they own wow. you. <clears throat> so the mercenary uh, basically sold herself to this this company. In the event that she died, she sold herself to pay for the lung surgery for her daughter, who is now the scientist who is using the mother's brain to run these experiments because she has to because the military owns or this company owns her mom's IP, basically owns her mom's brain. And it's just... It's it's super intense. Uh, the emotion is really there for it. Uh, so this movie was written and directed by uh, uh, Song Ho Yun, who was the same person that did Train to Busan. Um, so if you know we did Train to Busan a while back, we loved that movie. You know, so if you are a fan of Train to Busan and you're like, oh, I really like that director, well, Jung Yi is on Netflix, and uh, it's your next one to tear up over. Uh, really cool. There's a lot of really cool uh, things, very similar to Archive, where I did not see coming uh, that I thought was pretty interesting. And I actually thought it was going to go one way, and it actually went a completely different way, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, so so Jung Yi is streaming on Netflix, so that's one to watch. Um, but, you know, also on Netflix, uh, you know, there's two new shows, one on Netflix and one on Peacock, okay. that are basically reboot continuations of old sitcoms. Go on. So the one on Netflix is that 90s show. Oh, I which wondered is, if they were ever going to do that. So it's, yeah, it's the continuation of that 70s show. And I watched the first episode. Eh, I was a fan of that 70s show when it first came out. Like, when it first came out, I watched the first couple of seasons and I followed along, and it was funny. You know, it's stoner humor. I don't typically like stoner humor, so, uh, you know, a lot of the jokes, I was like, blah. Um, but it was, it was, you know, it was an at-the-of-the-time show. It was a very esoteric show. Sure. Like, it it was funny at the time. Um, and I didn't mind it, you know, watch the show up. But there's a huge plot hole in the show. Oh, so the original That 70s Show takes place from 1970 to 1980. The very last scene you see is New Year's, it turning New Year's 1980. Okay. In the end of that episode, the main characters, Eric and Donna, are not together yet. Uh, Eric, the main character, has gone off to Africa as part of like a study thing. He he goes to Africa and like doctors up or, you know, some sort of like volunteer Greenpeace type thing. Sure. Donna is back at home in Wisconsin, and they are not together at this point. So this is 1980. Okay. The series ends where he comes back and is like, I want to be with you. And they're like, great, let's be together. And the the implication is that they're going to be together. And then it turns New Year's 1980. Now they're going to be together, but they just got back together. Mm-hmm. Like just now, like minutes before 1980. Mm-hmm. That 90s show takes place uh, in the summer of July, uh, the summer of 1995, in which they have a 15-year-old daughter. So that means she would have had to, 
Donna would had to have been at least two months pregnant because it starts with the birthday of the daughter. Yeah. Uh, that means that Donna would have had to have been like two months pregnant before while Eric was in Africa, which means that the kid is not Eric's kid. Yikes. Because the timing doesn't work out. So this is, it's super messed up. But all that uh, aside, which was something that bothered me a lot about the movie, about the show, it kind of felt like it fell right back into the same exact formula that that 70s show did Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, look, here's the good looking stupid guy. Here's the, you know, uh, minority who's kind of weird you know like here's you know this other like they just they just filled all the exact same roles again with new people and some of them are like the kids of the original characters and some are just new people but it was literally like so formulaic like it was obviously formulaic where i was like so you literally just recast that 70s show and started it over that's kind of a bummer because like correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't that 70s show essentially a riff on like the concept of happy days. So like happy days was a show about the fifties that aired, you know, a couple decades later that seventy yeah, show I, was, a, I definitely a show feel like there's the an homage that, that aired in the nineties. And so, yep. okay. Like I can see like that nineties show being, well, they're late at this point, but you know, continuing, yeah. like, like the idea of continuing that trend on, I, I, I can get into that. That's kind of neat. But like, that 70s show wasn't a clone of happy days. So uh, assuming I'm correct that it was essentially like meant to be like an homage or like a riff on that idea, like they still took it in a, in a original direction that felt right for the time period. And the nineties and the seventies were different enough decades that they could very easily have created entirely fresh new storylines. So it's really a bummer that they wouldn't, that, that, that they wouldn't try yeah yeah it's very interesting um i you know i only watched the first episode so you know i I don't have a whole season to kind of judge by so obviously the first episode was very like oh look it's the house again and (laughs) there's there's kitty and red and there's eric and donna and there's older kelso and you know jackie oh that's so cute because everybody's back and they're in the house again and there's Mm -hmm. the basement and cool 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 an introduction but like it just felt like I was just, it was just like, we know it worked the first time. We're going to do it this time. Like, that's very much what it felt like. And And it, it, because it felt like that, it made me be like, I don't want to watch this. You know what that is? That's, that's the same thing that they did with Fuller House. Yeah. They're like, it worked the first time. With like aged up younger characters and new, like new kids taking the the place. Like, ah, yeah. Now, Conversely, though, uh, although I didn't laugh as much with this one, um, another new show has come back that's a continuation of an older show. Uh, Night Court Mm. has come back. Mm -hmm. So the original Night Court, I do, I have vague memories of watching Night Court. I know I watched it a lot. I was a big fan. I know that I loved it, and I was a big fan. So I watched the first episode of the new Night Court. Yeah. And uh, although I didn't think it was very funny, um, a lot of the jokes felt very like yuck yuck, mm-hmm. um, like very like over, like you know stereotypically sitcom jokes. You know, like it, it was very. Uh, I didn't laugh. I felt the charm of that show more than I felt the charm of that '90s show. That '90s show felt very pandering, whereas Night Court felt charming to me. Interesting. You know, like it. I I could see why people would like it. Um, and so like, it was kind of interesting, you know, leaving, 
leaving a show that I didn't watch, um, you know, the, the, uh, that, or, you know, leaving a show that I, you know, watched and being like, I don't want to watch the rest of this, uh, having not laughed. And then another one also having not laughed, but being like, I kind of want to watch more of this. I, I was kind of interested. And I think it brought enough back of the old charm, but still did something new. The first time that I heard that they were making a Night Court reboot, my brain immediately went to, but are people going to get Mel Torme jokes? I mean, <laughs> so that's the thing. Like, yeah, you know, like there is there is definitely a lot of like, uh, you know, John Larroquette comes back, uh, you know, re- reprises his role as Dan Fielding, the public defender. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of jokes that he makes that I'm like, this would have been absolutely hilarious in 1991, but it doesn't land today. That's the thing. And like, I, I should hedge, like I, I said earlier how much I loved Night Court. Uh, I say that in full knowledge that like Dan's jokes in particular would not play now. They absolutely would not. He was a fucking misogynist. Well, he was a terrible bag. person. He was a terrible yeah. person. He was, he was played to be a terrible person. He, you were supposed to recognize that he would be a terrible person. But also like, I just don't want to hear those jokes again, which is why like as much as I loved it, I wouldn't go back and rewatch the original. Uh, and so it, that's the part that would make me nervous about a reboot, that they would try to lean too much into authenticity of character without growth. So, so far uh, in episode one, John Larroquette's character comes off as more cantankerous than he does old misogynist. Like, a lot of his jokes are very, like, I just don't like anybody. Get mm. off my lawn. Nothing is verged on on the idea of, like, sexism or racist or anything like that. Um, so, so far, so good. Okay. Uh, again, only one episode in. Um, but his, his character is more of just, like, I'm old. Leave me alone. That's, um, and I, like I, that. I, can get, I can get down to cantankerous. Yeah. I can, I'm fine with cantankerous. Because cantankerous old guy is character growth from the Dan Fielding of the nineties. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and so taking over the judge spot because obviously uh, I forgot what his name is, but uh, the the main the original main guy died. Oh, that's um, right. No, I'm sad. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, that was. Uh, oh my God! Where's like? How is he not top billing? Oh, is this is this the new series? That's why. That's why. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it, he's been taken over by his daughter, uh, who's played by uh, Barry Anderson. Yeah, uh, who is taken over by his daughter, Melissa Rausch, who a lot of people probably will remember her from Big Bang Theory. Okay. Um, her voice is an octave lower in this show. She has her normal voice and not the high pitched voice of her character on Big Bang Theory. I think she's a really good follow up to her father. You know, her father was known, you know, he was known on that show for doing like fun little pranks on people mm-hmm. and magic and stuff like that. She's got like the bubbly nature of it, but she doesn't do all the pranky things. And I think it's a good follow up because it it shows a good evolution of like, yeah, this is totally your kid without just being a carbon copy. And I think that's really important. Uh, and that's why I think the show is so charming because of that. But it so far the writing has really fallen short for me. It is very like it's it feels very amateurish. Um, but because of it's it's very charming though. So it got me. You know, it got me. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't laugh at any joke. I thought most of them were pretty bad. But every time somebody did make a joke, I was like, oh, bless your heart. Yeah. You know, like I just felt I still felt good about it, you know, whereas like every time there was a joke in, in that 90s show, I was like, please stop talking. Yes. Like, 
like stop everything you're doing right now. And I still don't like the fact that in, in that 90s show, Eric named his daughter Leia because at this point it's 1980. He would have named her. Uh, there would only been what two, one star Wars movie, uh, since then. So he's named her after just w- seen one star Wars movie. I mean, because empire strikes back wasn't until 19 was 1981 and return of the Jedi was 1983. Like, so have you met star Wars nerds though? I know, but I mean, like, it still kind of bothers me, uh, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I understand and don't necessarily disagree with you, but, like, I know enough Star Wars nerds that, to know that they, if if they're going to be that into the show that they're going to name their kid after, uh, or, you know, the, the franchise, I'm sorry, not the show, forgive me, uh, if they're going to name their kid after a character, they're in it from A New Hope. Like, they, like, so I mean, listen, I have two Star Wars tattoos. I am not one to talk uh, at all. Uh, but like, it feels like, I don't know. It, I mean, it, it was huge. Star Wars was huge. 1977 Star Wars was huge. I always forget how actually into the franchise you are because you're the, like the one exception I know that like, it's like, listen, Star Wars people, I love you. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to shit on you right now, but like, don't get me wrong. I love you. Like, the Star Wars people don't shut up about Star Wars. Like that is their thing. And like, you know, love your thing, have your passion. I am not telling you to be quiet, like be loud, be proud. But like, you're the, like, you're not that about Star Wars. And like, like it always throws me because I expect like Star Wars people are very in your face about, about Star Wars. I mean, the thing is, is nobody hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. And that is, that is an actual fact. Like, nobody hates star wars more than star wars fans so it's really it's very it's always very frustrating when i find like a really big mega star wars fan because i'm just like here we go they're They're just gonna bitch about star wars for for the next hour you know and inevitably they do you're not all like that look i know many a star wars fan that just likes everything that comes i'm one of the star wars fans that i just genuinely love like enjoy everything that comes out from star wars even as bad as Boba Fett was the book of Boba Fett, I still enjoyed it because it was Star Wars and I'm still going to watch all the rest of the stuff. Yeah. But like it was objectively bad. <laughs> we know this, you know, but I still enjoyed it. I love this about uh, you. I really do. I really do. <laughs> it's the one thing that I'm so like not like I'm just so like it's all good. Like I was so happy about everything cuz normally I'm like I got a lot of problems with you people and Star Wars <laughs> is the one thing where I'm like Eh, even bad Star Wars is good Star Wars, <laughs> you know. And like I, that's that's my opinion. Yeah, I I feel you on that. Um, speaking of, well, it, it it's not really the segue I was going for, but like speaking of uh, remakes, uh, more of a knockoff. Uh, have you did in your your time spent scrolling to be to be to be or not to be TV? <laughs> uh, have you seen that? Somebody made a knockoff of Squid Game called Octopus Games. Oh my god! Is it is it like a parody one where it's like like those uh, like all those parody teen movies and stuff like that that were made for a while? I hope so because yeah, for one thing, like it is like as far as I can tell, uh, almost if not exclusively white cast, and it looks like it's played for comedy. But it, like the description makes it sound like it's attempting to be just a full on like straight up remake of Squid Game, and like I don't I don't think that I can bring myself to watch it. 
but I want someone out there to watch it and tell me Fine. about it. Fine. <laughs> I will do it. <clears throat> Speaking of, of Squid Game, though, if you liked Squid Game, um, there's another show on Netflix called Alice in Borderland, and I highly recommend watching it. Um, I actually, really, really great show. I almost watched that a few times. I have not seen Squid Game. I probably won't watch it. Uh, like the death trap concept just isn't really in 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 it for me. Like I'm not. I'm not. And into then it. don't watch Alice in yeah. Borderland. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's the same thing. Damn. It's just yeah. It's it. It is literally it. It's what makes it crazy is that it is the same plot, except Alice in Borderland is like an another dimension like it just takes place in another dimension oh you know what i am thinking maybe of something else i feel like there was another show that came out around the same time that had a, a similar feeling name uh that yeah this is not what i'm thinking of never mind so i i won't watch okay. Alice in borderland. yeah because alice in borderland is the everybody plays a game and not everyone's gonna live yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it's the same thing but different it's the same thing but different it's, it's exactly it's the hard same, to explain but it's different because there's like a whole sci-fi element to it, like as well. Like sci-fi, it is it is cool. But if you liked Squid Game, you absolutely should be watching Alice in Borderland. That's, I mean, they're just they're right there. And you so. should watch Octopus Games and tell me about it. Yes, I I will do that. I will sacrifice. Uh, I will make that sacrifice. Uh, but uh, another thing that you should watch if you're the type of person that does so, Archive, mm -hmm. which is on Tubi TV. It stars Theo James and Stacey Martin. Uh, it is, uh, as of recording this episode, available on Tubi TV. Just go there and watch it for free. And then this Sunday, you can listen to our full review of that movie. So again, if you're the type of person that watches the movies before we review them, that is where you can go off and do it, it's and true. we would super appreciate it. We would. Um, while you're here, go ahead and hit that subscribe button over on YouTube or on uh, your podcast player of choice. For good measure, just do both. Yeah. You know, it makes yeah. sense. And uh, leave a rating and review if your uh, 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 player or whatever has that ability, because that is how we grow. And we super appreciate it. We do. Hey, so thanks a lot for listening and watching, everyone, and we will see you on Sunday.